How y'all? Well, we're going to do some, little something different tonight. And uh, we're, it was in my plan to do the one more video and then take a, a week or two and then go back to it. Um, but I have some things I think I'm supposed to share with you tonight. And um, I just pray they won't be disjointed because I, I didn't really see me doing this, but uh, till uh, later on. Uh, if you want to go, just follow with me just a moment. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. You ever been watching national news and they got this little signal that comes on and they, well, they were going to tell you something that's out of the ordinary or an alert down and they got some kind of little backdrop music that goes with it when this is supposed to be the story of the hour or, or I guess it could be sure no big deal about something. And so this is just one of those moments that... Uh, um, Fresh off the press. Galatians 6. And I'm just going to walk us through it as I get it here. Verse 6 says, let, let him, them, her, let them that's taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. I'm just checking that with something else. God is not mocked, for whatever we sow, we also shall reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of their flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The, uh, the verse right here, um, in verse 9, tells us, encourages us not to get weary. Now, the only reason why you need an encouragement and something needs to be written to say, don't be weary, uh, don't be weary is why. It's very possible that you could become weary. How? And doing things that's what? Bad? No, doing things that are good. Don't be weary in well-doing for in due season. And, and if you will, if you don't have it underlined, underline that if you're, if you're making a note. Uh, that's a, a, uh, a caption for, for this afternoon. Due season. We are in a period of due season. Well, when I say due season, I mean, um, the Amplifier says uh, you, you've come to an appointed time. Uh, I don't remember, and I'm glad I don't, what all I used to remember about peaches, but, uh, you know, peach season lasts a few months in our county, doesn't it? But that's just saying peaches in general, but there's different varieties and brands as you were of peaches. So in other words, uh, I mean, I, there's so many, I don't remember all of them, but if you uh, 
you know, red skin Alberta's a peach, and yellow skin Alberta's a peach, and and the Georgia Bell's a peach, and they're all peaches, but they're a different variety of peaches. And so the, the red or the yellow Alberta doesn't make the whole season, and certainly the Georgia Bell, that comes on at the end of the year. And when you get the end of the year, I mean, that's that's usually like the last two, three weeks of the year, the Georgia Bell comes on if, you're, if it's being grown here in Alabama. So it, it has a it has a due season, it has an appointed time. And although it might be, it might be in general from May to maybe August, it might be peach season, that doesn't mean that every variety grows during those, those months right there. Just this variety grows for so many weeks or a month and then that one fades out and then others grow in and it's just by appointed time. And so it's always true that the word is, is life and truth and that it, you, you can say in the area of giving and receiving, giving you shall receive, or uh, Genesis would say what it's Genesis chapter eight, as long as the earth remains, there'll be a time to what to sow, there'll be time to reap, but it also said there's a time. Well, that's always true, because the word's always true. But then there are, there are things of the word that are appointed seasons in our life. You agree with that? And, uh, you, there's, and there's some things just naturally that doesn't come out of season and because there's always the natural truth, there's always a spiritual truth that parallels right along with it. And so, um, I mean, you can, you can grow tomatoes right now, but they're not gonna really grow that great, you know, in different times of the year. Uh, there's, you know, fruits and vegetables that are growing in abundance this time of year, but the, in the dead of the winter is not the time to grow on. And so there's things that we're, we're sometimes we're in seasons where Paul said, he says, there's sometimes that we're planting the word and then there's other times that we're watering the word. And then after the planting and much watering, he said, there comes a, a harvest. And so it doesn't generally work harvest uh, water than plant, does it? You ever done that? <laughs> we're gonna, I tell you, that that's just like the old saying, if the, in the fireplace, if you'll give me some heat, I'll throw some wood in there. Well, it doesn't work that way, does it? It works the other way. There's planting the seed and then there's watering and then there's a harvest. And it's, uh, it's just the... Um, Sometimes we're after we planted, there's a, a continuing water process, and that goes on for quite a while. And then Mark 4 gives us the, prog the progression of the seed going in the ground, and it has to, the seed has to go to the ground, and, and it lives, and then it dies in the ground before it can uh, take on new life and be germinated and come up into what it's supposed to be, because we know what it's going to be if we knew what we planted, right? I mean, there's no mystery to it. If, if, if you're growing potatoes, then... You should never get a cucumber because the power to reproduce is in the seed itself and whatever you put in the ground, what's going to come after it's going to look just like what it's, it, after what the seed, it, everything is produces after its own kind. But even though you put the potato seed or the tomato seed or the okra seed or the cucumber seed, whatever in the ground, you don't get up in the morning and go pick them, do you? No, there's a time, there is a season, there is an appointed time, there is a due season. And so um, these are things that just uh, I was given here not too long ago, and I'm talking about today, uh, just, to, just to tell you. And uh, just to tell you that, that, that don't let yourself become agitated or concerned or don't become weary in the things that you're doing well. He says, because now you're coming into a due season. You're coming into your appointed time. And God knew when the time was all along. And he puts a great big premium on faithfulness. That may not be a popular word in the world today, but it's still popular with God. People say, well, it's just all grace. Well, yeah, but I, it, it, it could be all grace, but I never saw where he, where he did away with obedience. 
You know, that's, that's not an ugly word either, is it? If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the, the good of the land. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, I can bring you over to the New Testament if you want to come New Testament. You know, he said we should be faithful stewards. Right? A man, a man or a woman found faithful. I mean, we, we all want to go to heaven and hear Jesus say what? Enter in thou good and what? Well, he must put a premium on faithfulness if we're looking for that catchphrase. I mean, well done, thou good. Or one of you just get there and he says, well. <laughs> if he says, well, I mean, he's like, you're like, well, man, am I staying? <laughs> well, if, you, if you're there, you're staying. But I mean, but there's, there's you know, there's the, there's the one talent man and the two talent man and the five talent man. In the parable of the talents. There's one that, you know, if, if you can find him and make him do something and watch him, he'll do it. If you've ever hired, those of you who work people, you've hired people like that before. As long as you're there, they're working. You turn your back, they're not working. But the two-talent man, what does he do? He does, he does everything that you tell him. And you can go off and leave, and he still does the same thing, but he doesn't do a whole lot more. I always call him the wind-up guy, the little spring on it. And he'll, he'll go do until the spring runs out, and then... He's willing to go do what you got to wind him up some more. But a five-talent man does everything or she does everything that you ask him to. Then when they get through with that, the boss is out there and they, and they start looking for things to do to be productive. In other words, what would the boss man do if the boss man were still here? And that's called a five-talent person. And when Jesus came back in the parable of the talents and he, he examined and he, he, he was taking, he was taking uh, uh, or grading how well these were doing with what he gave them to do with, he came back and he said, the the one that just took the, the one of the one talent, he said, all he did, he took and he hid it. He said, oh, well, you know, my master's hard. You know, he's, he's expecting to reap every time he sows something. He says, you know, I ain't no telling what he's going. I'll tell you what, I'll just hide it in the ground. And, and Jesus said that that man needs to be rebuked and actually rebuked more than that. And so he said, take away the, what he has and give it to the one who has the ten. Now you're talking about a... Uh, taking from the poor and giving to the rich that, that started with Jesus but in that context so um, he always comes back and inspects the, the ones he entrusted with the seed with the assignment um, to see what we've done with it and how well we've done with it you know it, the, in heaven is called and I think we were talking about on our last our, our last uh, video DVD of last week when uh, Brother Sutton was talking about uh, coming up in heaven and not being judged for sin. We've already been judged by that through Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about the reward seat. And the rewards is based on the works that you've done here. Well, if it wasn't important, you wouldn't keep record of them. I mean, do you realize there'll be some people in heaven that's got, that they're in heaven, that's wonderful, but they're going to have no rewards or very little rewards? Maybe the, the, the old saying is they just got in by what? Skin of their teeth. <laughs> but they're in, right? Being in by the skin of your teeth and then being better whew, than being down there any day of the week. So, uh, but there are, there are, there's the reward seat of heaven. So the Lord is interested in what we're doing. He is interested in what you're doing with your life. He's interested if what you're doing matches what, what you're here for. So I say, well, I don't have the money. Well, are you doing the right thing? Because he never, see, he never sends surplus or supplies to the wrong place. 
But if I'm in the wrong place, I could miss my supply. You see what I'm saying? He, ne he never sends supplies. He's, he's never confused. When he ships out from the shipping department, it never goes to the wrong address. The thing is, are you picking it up at the right station? You say, well, I just thought I'd do this for my life. Well, that's great. Is that what he, is that what he said? So let me get back to this. Due season. Will you say that with me? Due season? Due season. The appointed time. You know, if you, if you make an appointment to have your, your eyes checked or your teeth cleaned or whatever, your hair done, and you show up the next day, as safe as it's 2 o'clock, Tuesday at 2 o'clock, and you show up Thursday at 2 o'clock, you know, you say, well, I couldn't make it that day, so I'll just make it this day. Well, that's, that's wonderful and good, but, but they may not be able to see you Thursday if your appointment was on Tuesday. You say, well, I got there at 2 o'clock. Yeah, two days too late. So this is the appointed time, and this is a due season. Amen. And it's very important that we are, as Jesus would say, about the Father's business. Now, I, I, he had me dig up some of these older notes from about four years ago and uh, just for, for, for part of it. So I, um, here we go. He is ready to take us further, much further than your natural mind will ever think to go. Now, we really don't know how smart God is, do we? Because, we, because he would have to have a test to measure it. The problem is, who's going to test him? And who makes up the test? Now, can you see that? I mean, the Lord doesn't have a mentor. And he doesn't have a spiritual father. And he doesn't have a pastor. And he doesn't need any advice from a human. Now, I know some people who think they're along that category, but they're not. <laughs> they're just not. They just think they are. But he, he needs no help in, the, in that area. So, so who would give the test and who'd make it up? Well, there's no one. No one could do that. None of us could do that. None of us can question God. He's altogether brilliant. So someone who's altogether brilliant and we, and we could take weeks and we, and we could just go through the scriptures about creation and we, and we could see how God talked to Job the last few chapters of Job when he straightened Job out on his thinking about things and he, he, he talked to him about uh, knowing how to measure how much water and ocean there should be and the waves coming in and out and does he, does he understand how, all the muscle and the structure of a horse and where it gets its strength and how, how do you know how much strength it does have and, and do you understand why you know, a gorilla does what it does and all this kind of stuff. And Job was just like, I, I probably said some things I shouldn't have said. <laughs> well, he said, I uttered some things I really don't know nothing about. I'm really sorry. He said, oh, no, we got two more chapters to talk about this. Since you brought it up, we're going to talk about this, boy. So God really can't share much wisdom. Well, watch how I say this. Well, how much wisdom can God share with a human out of, out of his, the totality of wisdom that, that we can grasp it? 
Has anyone ever been like me that you read a book and someone apparently very smart wrote it and you, you read about the same page four times, you're thinking, what are they saying? I got a lot of books like that. <laughs> I read it's like, well, I, I, I can read every word, but just like, what did he say? <laughs> you ever done that? It's like you think, well, I'm just super dumb, but they're just incredibly brilliant. Well, that's why they, the newspaper, you know, it's written, they sit on about a fourth grade level, so they want to sell a lot of newspapers. Well, God understands who we are and, that, and how he made us, but we don't really have the, the ability to comprehend the totality of all things and how they work. And sometimes we don't even care, I guess. We're, we're just thankful they work. We, we can't understand really the whole process, how the cow itself could chew the green grass, right? Eat it and regurgitate it, eat it some more, swallow it, and that turns into white milk. And how, er, and how every animal is different and, you know, the way they produce and the amount of weeks it takes them to reproduce and all such as this. And, and there's, and I think we were talking about last week, we was, I was reading one of Joan Hunter's book, you know, you know who Joan Hunter is? And she, talked, she says our, our, our human body has 12 trillion cells. Not all put together, just each of us here have 12 trillion cells. Can you count to 12 trillion? <laughs> so it, so the, the Lord could name every cell by name. He'd have a name for all 12 trillion, right? He said he knows how many stars there are, and the Bible says each star has a name. You ever at the end of the day just trying to... Because of the day and, and you got one or two kids there, more grandkids, and you're trying to think of their name when you call one the other. You, your parents ever did that to you when you was in trouble and they called you your brother and sister's name? And you knew if they ever called your middle name, you know, lots of trouble, right? God has, I, I don't even know what's beyond trillion. Does anyone know what's beyond trillion? Well, there's something beyond it, isn't it? So see, I stopped there. I don't even know what it is, but there's something beyond trillion. I hope that's not our national debt now, but anyway. <laughs> he said he knows how many sands, particles of sand, are in the earth. He didn't say at Orange Beach. He said in the earth. See, I, I, oh, I, I'm just amazed he knows how much hair we have. But I'm talking about he, he knows how many particles of sand is on the earth. He knows every time a bird drops to the ground. He knows every thought that you've ever had or ever will have. So if God, well, I guess I'm trying to make this point, how much of his wisdom can he share with a human? And him having an intelligent conversation with us. <laughs> hey, you know. <laughs> I mean, he could leave us in conversation if he wanted to. See what I'm saying? So I, I said all that to say this, that he wants us to take us further than, than we can see ourselves going. 
See, if you own all the universe and you made billions and billions of galaxies, talking to someone about $10,000 is kind of boring to him. You say, well, I wasn't asking that. I'm just looking for $37.50 by tomorrow. Well, that's, what I, that's my point. But he loves you individually more than all that stuff that he created because he created it for us. The earth he created for us because of his great love for, for us, his family. I, I'm just saying how it's amazing that God created us such a way that, and to have fellowship with us when, when we are, and I don't mean to call you that way, but we're kind of dumb, I guess. <laughs> In comparison to, see what I'm saying? So I don't know how much, how well he stimulated in conversation with us. All the more reason and better to speak in other tongues. To get past your mind. See what I'm saying? So he said, I, beloved, I wish above to do, uh, to, to prosper you, you know, in spirit, in your health, and as your soul prospers. But he said, but Ephesians 3 said, uh, above that what you would even ask me for, or that you can think. In other words, he said, you don't have the ability, the capability, it needs to come up. And Isaiah 55, he said, your thinking and my thinking is not matching. In Mark 2, they was wanting to crucify him back then because the man came in and they, they, they let the man down through the roof because they couldn't get in the house, remember? And his four crazy friends let him down, try, just trying to get to Jesus. And, and, and Jesus, he said, man, your sins be forgiven you. He said, he, and he knew their thoughts. And, and they, they said, that's blasphemy. There's no one on earth who can forgive sins. Only God can do that. And he said, look, he said, so that you know that I have the, par, the power and the authority on earth to forgive sins, I could have just said it this way, or I could say it that way. I could have said what you want me to say, be healed, or I could have said uh, you are forgiven of your sins. He says, but so now, so that you know that I have the authority to do it, then I'm just going to say it this way, rise up and walk. And if he rises up and walks, it, it should settle the whole issue. Well, he did rise up and walk, but it didn't settle the issue in their heart. Somewhere, all of us in this room have had a, ch a chokehold on us that we couldn't get anymore and we couldn't see anymore because we couldn't receive anymore. God has more, but he can't get us more. I mean, in other words, we're, we have a glass and we say we're thirsty, but what's God pouring out of? What, what does he have that he can pour out of? I, I read where he, uh, concerning uh, the flood, he poured out there. That fill a glass or two. And he flooded the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. Until no one could swim anymore and no one could dog paddle. And it was all over. Where, where, where did he pour out of? Out of himself, out of heaven. Have you ever read how much water that is? I haven't. I don't, I don't think the Bible records it. It, it may be interesting to know. But do you think God knows how much he poured out? I think he does. How, how much water did it take to flood the earth, the earth, to rain 40 days and 40 nights? And what volume did it come out to flood the entire earth? Not this county. The entire earth. So he's going to sit down with me in the morning and I'm going to say, well, let's talk. He says, okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, good morning. Love you. <laughs> uh, how's Jesus? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> get in the tongue as fast as you can. Because <laughs> he, he said, He that speaketh an unknown tongue speaketh unto, not unto man, but unto God. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, it just amazes me that God is, values our relationship as much as He does. You know, when we're kind of, buh, <laughs> in, in, in comparison. Well, I mean, you, you have kids and you have grandkids. And those of you who have kids, uh, small kids, do y'all watch any cartoons? Are they your favorite shows? But you know something about them, don't you? Because you've seen them episodes how many times? Over and over and over they go. And, and, and that kid can just sit there in front of the TV and watch, you know, and you tape them, they'll watch the same episode 15 times over and just be, this is heaven, this is heaven. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, that's, that's kind of what we are. We're, we're just sitting there watching the same Gilligan's Island, and God said, boy, I sure got a lot more for them. Hey, Skipper! <laughs> There's been a few moments where God has had some interesting conversations that a man initiated, a man started. David started one of those conversations. You know, Solomon built the temple. David asked that he could, about building the temple, but he said, no, because you've been a man of war. He said, but I'll allow Solomon to build it. Did you know that wasn't even God's idea? That was David's idea. David said, I want to do this for you. I love you so much and want to honor you so much and want, want people to be able to come worship you. I would like to have a temple. And different translations, and God said, you know, that's a good idea. And God enjoyed the conversation. This wasn't something that he told David to go do. This is something David wanted to do for the Lord. So it's pretty amazing that God sits there patiently and listens to us while we're having our cartoon talk. So having said that, God's ready to take us further than we've ever, our natural mind thinks that we can go. We should be expecting, or we should not be expecting welfare, we should be expecting to fare well. We, the body of Christ, must stop looking like we're something that was thrown out as orphans with no daddy. Which means we have to understand the promises of God with our heart. The reason is because you, you, our minds can't get around it. Our minds just can't grasp the enormity of it to, to lay hold of it and seize it. I mean, it, it, it just looks too enormous, too big. It's like that old joke I say, I talk about sometimes, but that guy got tied up with that, uh, that gorilla. And, uh, and, uh, and, his, and his buddy ran up there and he said, and his buddy saw him, you know, wrestling with the grill and losing fast. He said, you, 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 you want me to help you to get him down? He said, no, you can come help me to turn him loose. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to whip him. I'm trying to get away from him. <laughs> yeah, come help me turn him loose. <laughs> See, our minds just can't get around it because our minds are too small and the promises of God are too big. The scripture says, 
There's no lack in the kingdom of God. None. There's no lack in the kingdom of God. If God would have had a limitation on this planet of how he could supply people, he would not let 7 billion plus people be on the planet right now because he has to, his, he has to hold true to this word. So that if every one of us in the morning call on him all 7 billion people, he's got to be able to produce like that at one time or else his word is void. And, 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 if he, and if he, in his ability, was only able to do 4 million, he should never let the population get to 7 billion. I mean, if, if you took a double handful of sand, we just say a hand of sand, but how many particles is that? Possibly it's what? Thousands? I mean, just little grains. But he says, he says, I know how many grains of sand is in the earth and any other planet. Every star has a name. Everyone has a name. And, he's, and he remembers them. The scripture says that he, when Isaiah said he, he took the, he said, the heavens... And he said, I stretched them out like a curtain. So, uh, it's time to start thinking. You know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So it's time to get wild for Jesus. This is an old notebook and I hate to tell you that because I should have moved on further past this than then than this because this is this is and I've shared this from time to time and I'm glad I kept it because it reminds me of what I'm supposed to remember leaving the ministers meeting in Fort Worth, Texas, in 2000, 2012, driving home. Stopping in Pittsburgh, Mississippi overnight. Made these notes. It seems like it stopped, so I would not forget this. After four days of meetings in the minister's conference, I put here, we left our hotel in Vicksburg, Mississippi Wednesday morning, having checked in after 1 o'clock a.m. in the morning driving there. We were looking for the on-ramp on I-20 East. It's a bit confusing here. I suddenly heard inside me, it was posed as a statement. I heard my name. I'm rich today. Therefore, I can and will do fill in the blank. I put in your name. am rich today. Therefore, I can and will do what? Immediately after that, I heard, I am poor today, therefore I need to fill in the blank. That happened just as we got on uh, 20 East, headed home that morning. Five minutes later, in my notes here, I'm driving now on 20 East, coming home. I hear my phone, a text comes in. It comes in from a board member 
and it reads, this is January the 20th at 8.58 a.m. I see you as rich. I think we just shared this maybe a month or two ago. And don't, you don't have to turn to it, but Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples a very specific question. He said, you're out there among the people. He said, here's the question. He said, who do they say I am? Remember the question, Matthew 16, 13? And they said, well, you know, if you ask, I mean, some say, some think you're John the Baptist. He said, well, I'm not John the Baptist. They said, well, some think you're Jeremiah. He said, yeah, well, I'm not him either. He said, well, some of them think that you're Elijah and you've come back. And he said, no, I'm not Elijah and I didn't come back. He said, okay, that's what they say. He said, okay, now, who, who do you say I am? Why, now, why does he ask that? See, because he expects them to have a different answer than the other folks. If, if, if he took us in a room tonight with none, and then took another room with non-Christians and, uh, and then he asked the same question from... The non-Christian, we probably get all kind of answers. Well, my granddaddy was real religious. Well, what does that mean? You know, they don't know what, they just use the word religious. You know, there's a, there's a religion that God actually hates, so I don't even use it that way. They don't ever say, well, I'm real spiritual. They just say, I'm real religious. So what does that mean? There's a pure religion also. James talks about. But if he, if he asked the church... The Christian, the body of Christ, he said, okay, now, uh, we've heard from that group. Now, who do y'all say that I am? He said, we should have a different answer. We should have a different opinion. Huh? If you spent three days with someone that you've only known on TV, whoever that might be, and you spent, well, let's just say you spent a week with them, and you was with them and traveled the world, whatever they were doing, maybe they're a movie star, maybe they're an athlete, maybe just, I don't know. I mean, here's a wild thing. If you spent the whole week with Hillary Clinton, Jamie, if you got to... <laughs> she might win you over. <laughs> or if you spent, uh, you know, a week with Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, they say he only sleeps like three hours a night, three and a half, sometimes four. So he's always, he don't need no more sleep than that. Full of energy. Just full of energy. Full of something. That's why he called Jeb Bush low energy. He said, you low energy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Thank his, his brother was president. You ought to be a little bit nicer to him. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, but we, we would know some things about them. We, well, I mean, we wouldn't know them great as people, would we? But we would learn some things, wouldn't we? I mean, when they went to a restaurant, we'd know what they liked to drink. We would know, you know, whether they had a humor side to them or they were just whatever. And, you know, I mean, we, we would know more than just watching snippets on TV or what someone tells us to believe about them. Because there's people who's talked about you who don't even know you. And they talk like you like they think they know you and everything about you. And not only that, but, but not only do they know what you did, but they know why you did it. And Jesus said, you can't judge that. You don't even know their heart. That's why he don't let you judge him. In other words, he said, you can say it's a peach tree because it has peaches, but you can't tell me why it's a peach tree because you have no idea why the peach tree does what it does. I mean, you might be right, but you could be wrong. So he says, you don't have the ability to judge because you can't see a person's heart. So he tells us just to be quiet about that part. Right? 
But we would learn some things from this because we just spent time around. If we spent time with God, we'd know some things that we wouldn't know. If we spent time in prayer, we would know some things. If we spent time with people who knows God better than we know, we would learn some things. And so th there's been a few people who, are, who was called into the ministry. You know, we, we look at a lot of the prophets and how God had to really give them a, a start like a Moses or a Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was uh, about 21 years of age when God called him and he was a stutter. And he said, but I've called you to be a, a prophet to the nation. He said, blah, 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 blah. And he, he just said, yeah, I can't do all that. He said, I can't speak. I can't, nation, I can't even, you know, I can't even find the city hall to get my license. I, I know I can't leave the nation. And, and so we see God having to jumpstart people and having to reveal some things to them and how patient that he is with all of us. So what, what would we say? How would we answer the question? How would we say who he is? So he expects us to have a different opinion, a different attitude, a different perspective that should come out of our mouth. We ought to have a different outlook. What is it that we're doing or thinking that's causing limitations in our life? In other words, here's the Saul one. And we can just sit here and be quiet or say, I, I know that's right. Guy walks in the, guy gal walks in the door here in about three minutes. They stumble in, they about half drunk. I'm not prophesying this to happen, I'm just saying this is hypothetical. But they got enough senses about them to know what's going on. They're just a little bit, you know, okay. But they're lost. They don't know Jesus. How many of you believe that if that person came to us at church and said, he said, I'm lost, I'm an alcoholic, I'm, I'm drunk, I'm, I'm, if I died, I'm going to hell. I want Jesus, I, I want to be saved, I want to be born again. How many believe that if he meant that in his heart and confessed Jesus Lord, he'd be saved? Good. Now, uh, someone else comes in and they got a bum leg or they got a, a duflopia or the mofopia and they come in here, whatever that is, and they'll say, I got this from birth. And we'd say, well, that's all right. Come on down here. We'll lay hand and you'll be healed immediately. See, all y'all said amen the first time. <laughs> now we don't really know. We want it to. We hope it will. We got scriptures that, that tells us it can. But what do we have? We got some of these experiences from the past. So now we put all that in the mix. We're kind of like Job saying, yeah, but you know, this and this and this, you know, like three months ago that storm came through and my family got wiped out and all the cattle and all the sheep and I got all that. And, and so the last three chapters of Job, we just go over and read it sometimes and God said, okay, since you brought all that, let's talk about a lot of stuff that you think you know about. You ought to read it sometimes, especially in the message, it'll just clean it all up for you. You're like, whoa, I'm never going to do what Job did. <laughs> But the good thing is at the end, Job got twice as much as what he had. I don't know if he had twice as many kids on, but I want that. But anyway, he just. So our outlook should be the same. What's causing me to limit God? In other words, I can't believe like the world, talk like the world, think like the world, and then break boundaries in my life. John 5, 4, or 1 John 5, 4 says, you, we are born of God. What does that mean? That means we possess his nature. 
we all carried the blood of our father in us. Not a mother, but a father. Naturally. Well, you're born of God. That means you carry his nature in you. You're born again. Born of the spirit. You have his life within you. His divine life is in you right now. It is your nature to be just like your father. He's referred to as the most high, and you have his nature. So what are we, the most low? We're one of them high kids. It's okay to be high this way. Amen. So in John 17, of that whole passage in there where the night before he was crucified, he says, sanctify them through the word, thy word is truth. Sanctify means to, to set apart, to separate. What you mean, that's how we function in the world today. We're, we're separate from the world. Oh, well. Oh. Colossians chapter 3 says, If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Do not set your affection on things you see on the earth, but set your affection, set your heart, set your mind on heavenly things. For you are dead. I like that scripture. <laughs> For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So Paul says that since you've been raised with Christ, aim at, seek at, Seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind and keep them set on what's above. The Amplified says, keep your mind set on higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. As far as the world is concerned, you have died and your new life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, that's Colossians. Come back uh, left a little bit and, and stop on Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, by the unction of the Holy Ghost in this, in this prayer in chapter 1, wrote these words to the church at Ephesus, although it would belong to us today just as well. And he said uh, in verse uh, 16 that Paul said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, he's the Father of glory, will give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Two different things. won't have time to get into both of them. He said he wants to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You'll never attain what you're supposed to do in this life without those two things. Wisdom and revelation. So he said that's why he's praying that they would have a revelation of these things. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So here he talks about these three things. That Paul, that we would have a revelation. We would have insight. 
we would have a, an inner picture and to see three things. We would know the hope to which really he's called, which is what you're called to. You would know your call. Secondly, he said, they need to have divine wisdom and revelation. They need to have insight and open up the revelation of the mysteries, he said, uh, uh, to, the, the, uh, to the riches, to the inheritance. One translation uh, says it completely different in the sense of not inheritance, in the sense of there's a sum of money or there's whatever. One, one translation said that they would know that, that you are the inheritance, that when God, when, when Jesus uh, paid the price for all sin and, and we brought us back into life in harmony with God, that God inherited you and that's what made God rich. God would call himself rich because he has you. Oh, stimulating conversation one. <laughs> but like I told you, for all, I've never seen a scripture that says my little adults. <laughs> my little children. And yeah, verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, watch here, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And now he has set him, Jesus, at his own right hand. He's where? He's where? Continue. He's at the right hand, the right hand of what? God at the throne in heavenly places, which is from where, his, from where he's seated. This puts him, next verse, far above any principality or power or might or dominion in any name that is named, not only in this world, but all which is to come. It, so Jesus has superiority Dominion, authority over what? All principality, power, we're talking about evil spirits, might, and dominion. And he says, in every name that is not even named because of his position and because where he's seated. You get that? Verse 22, and he put what? How many things? Under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the what? Who's the church? We are, right? How we know that? Next verse. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Anybody wear the shouting clothes? Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Now, while you're in Ephesians 2, let's go back and read Ephesians 1, verse 20 and 21. All right, we're going to go back to Ephesians 1, 20 and 21. Then we're going to read a verse in Ephesians 2. 20. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. He's in heavenly places. Because of that, he is now far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also that which is to come. And all things are under his feet. Now, Ephesians 2, now, now where's Jesus at? Heavenly places at the right hand of God. Because of that, he's far above all this, right? All right, Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who's rich in mercy, 
with His great love with where He loved you. He loves who? He loves us, don't He? Watch here. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened or made us alive together with Christ, by grace you are saved. And now He's raised you up together, and now you're sitting together in heaven places in Christ Jesus. Now, now I'm sitting with Him, but now where's He sitting? We're watching the same movie at the same theater. <laughs> now, am I making something up that ain't there? We see where He is, but do you see where you are? So we, we, we have this picture of being, of being around the throne of God because there's so many of us. And I don't know how this works. But that, but that Greek word is enthroned. It, it means in the throne. It means we're not vast miles around the throne. It means somehow we're all in the chair. <laughs> we're we sitting on Daddy's lap. Or we're we, we sitting with our brother Jesus right here. Ruling and reigning. Now, because we're in the chair, we have the exact same position that he has, not as Lord, but as King of kings and Lord of, of a Lord. Amen. See, he's the king, but we're the what? We're, the, we're a king of a king. And he's the Lord, but we're a Lord of a Lord. Sarah called Abraham what? And she told the wives, and you do well to do the same to your husband. And Elliot knows where I'm going. <laughs> in my wife's phone, under the contacts, my name's in there. It just says Lord Eric. That's all it says. <laughs> so every time I call her, it comes up Lord Eric. <laughs> now, I don't know what you're laughing at. I'm just, because everything I'm doing, is, is, everything we're doing here is Bible. <laughs> Now, 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 now look at this. Ephesians five said, "Look at or look at verse three. Here, here was our here was our condition. You know, Pastor Buzzy said, oh, he said this way. He said you need to. He said you need to check in. How do you say that? You need to check your condition to see what condition your condition is in. That <laughs> sounds just like a, a Buzzy Sutherland statement, don't it? You need to check with your condition, see what condition. He said your condition's in." Verse 3 said, we all had our conversation in times past, or that means man or life, in the lust of the flesh, and this is what we were about. We were fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and we were by nature the children of wrath, the evil of others. Now, and we all did that different ways. Different pulls from different people. <laughs> but it was all to satisfy our flesh. And he said... This was, this was in your, your manner of life in the past. And our nature was we were children of wrath. Wow. The Amplified says, Among these we as well once lived, we once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh. Our behavior was governed by our corrupt sensual nature. We were obeying the impulses of our flesh, and we obeyed the thoughts of our mind. We obeyed the cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginations. We were a lovely bunch, weren't we? 
We were then by nature children of God's wrath, and we were heirs of indignation like the rest of mankind. That's why I always make a big deal about that next word, next verse. But, <laughs> but God, <laughs> amplified, so rich is he in his mercy. Because of, and in order to satisfy the great, wonderful, and intense love wherewith he loved us. See, this is, he was trying to satisfy his need. Which was his great love for you. Even when you were dead, slain by your own shortcomings and trespasses, he hath made you alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. I mean, he, he, he didn't pair you up with someone. I mean, you could see what manner of man that we were. We were like some inmate that come out and got to go to a, another, meet another inmate and pair y'all off and say, you know, well, y'all might get along. I mean, he, John here, he's killed four and you've killed, what, seven? I mean, y'all know, I mean, y'all might be friends. Now, y'all quit that now, but y'all have some things in common. He said, this is, this is where we came from. And so, he, look how he pairs us up. He, now... <laughs> <laughs> Even though you were dead, slain by your own short, shortcoming trespasses, he made you alive together in fellowship and in union. He put you in union with Christ. He gave you the very life of Christ himself. See, that, you know, we're, this is what's wrong with us as humans. We don't know how to take that verse. This is God trying to have a conversation with us. And we don't, we, we just like, we don't, okay, well, you just read. No, no I'm, I'm not just reading something off the wall. He gave you the life of what? I mean, I mean, if he said Jeremiah, that'd have been cool. Or Daniel or David or something like that, you know. If he just said Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we might say, well, I'm cool. I mean, he, you know, he wrote, he's in the book. No, none of those. He gave you the very life of Christ himself. He has given you the same new life with which he quickened him for it. For it is by grace, parenthesis, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved. You have been delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Now, that, that, that's more shouting I know how to do right there. And hath raised you up together with him, it's going to make you sit down. Now, what's important about that? When you're finished working, you sit down. What was different about the, 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 the priest of the Old Covenant and the priest of the New Testament, of the New Covenant? The old priest never sat down because his work was never finished. If you study that out, there was no furniture in there for him to even sit down because his work would never be finished. And as soon as George came through and you know brought his lamb or goat, whatever it was, as soon as he went home, him and his wife got into it again, and she slapped him, and he slapped her. He had to go back and get in line, get get another lamb. Here we go again. The priest never got to sit down, ever. But the Bible says in Hebrews 2, when Jesus finished his work, he sat down. 
That means in the throne room, it's a seated work. It's a finished work. They're finished. They're at rest. He says, and now he's making you sit down. Well, I mean, I, I got to have an answer by next week. Sit down. When, 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 when you went to school as a kid and there was, you were a student, there was a teacher. Who stood? Who sat down? You did. You was in a seated position. They were the one working. Hmm? What are you doing tonight? You're seated. Jesus is seated. The Father's seated in the throne. And it says right here in Amplified, he raised us up. He, he raised us up from this pitiful state that we was in. Aligned us with Jesus. Brought us into fellowship with him. Brought us into union with him. Stuck the very life of Christ that was in him. Put it in you. He said, you don't deserve it. But I'm going to give it to you anyway by favor and mercy. I'm going to deliver you from any kind of judgment. Now you're going to be a partaker of his salvation. Raised you up together with him and made you sit down. Giving you joint seating with him. Amen. Joint seating. Who are you seated with? He's like, if I could just get a hold of Jesus. My, it shouldn't be too hard to find him. He's sitting in the same chair. My God. Well, to get a bunch of people praying on the prayer chain, you know, I mean, I got to have an answer for Thursday. You know, it's just uh, the doctor says, we just getting enough people and they'll sign up right here. You do two o'clock in the morning. Trying to twist God's arm to do something he done thought of. And finished. A finished work. Seated with him in heavenly places. So from this seat, you know, if, if you go to the Congress or, you're, or, 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 or the or representative of our state, or our nation, they have a seat of representatives. They have a seat in Congress from which you represent your city or your, or your state, right? Well, we are seated with Christ. We represent Christ. So when we come into a situation that's, that's, that's out of control, where we see the power of dominions working and, 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 and we see... Uh, demonic spirits, and we see things catastrophic are going on. And when he brings us into these situations, we come there seated. And we rule and we reign from our position. Some say, well, it didn't work. Maybe you didn't do it from the right position. Huh? Go back and sit down and give an order. You know, I always said this way, the policeman, no matter what his personality is, whether he's a screamer or whether he's a quiet person, if he says you're under arrest, you're under arrest. I mean, he, he can do it real demonstrative. Put your hands and frisky and all kind of stuff, and he can read you your, your rights. Or he could just say, you're under arrest. Either way, you're under arrest. You hear what I'm saying? The more you know who you are, the less volume it takes. Hmm? The more you know who you are in him, the, the less screaming that you have to do. Because the devil's not deaf, and he knows what you know in the sense of he knows if you know who you are. You know the scripture, he says, Paul, we know, Jesus, we know who you. And they jumped on that man and turned him 40 ways from Sunday. 
Well, there we go. So it's harvest time. And if y'all want to know what to pray about, I can tell you what to pray about. Y'all want to know what to pray about? One person wants to know what to pray about. Anybody else want to know what to pray about? Because see, if you, if you don't know what time it is, in other words, if someone invites you to a party, but they don't tell you what kind of party it is, how do you know how to dress? Do I come casual? Do I, I mean, do I, is it a formal? Do I need a tux? Do I need a, you know, is it, right? So if we don't know what time it is, we don't know what prayer to offer. But if we know what time it is, then, then he'll, he'll hook us up with the right words to speak. Two things, then we'll go. Uh, where's that? That's something God ain't never asked nobody. <laughs> Where, where's that at? <laughs> See what I'm talking about? Verse, uh, Romans 8, 26. Well, I'm glad I came. Romans 8, 26, Amplified. So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid. Whew, thank God for that. And He bears us up in our weakness. What weakness is that? He said, well, sometimes we don't know what prayer to offer. Or we don't even know how to offer it sometimes. Worthily as we ought. But He does. Spirit Himself he goes to meet our supplication and he pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of Holy Spirit, what his intent is. Because Holy Spirit, here's what he does. He intercedes and he pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. Y'all see that up there? Look at that. So uh, put, put, put your name in there somewhere. Uh, Holy Spirit, he intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of... So when he's making these groanings are coming forth, this articulate speech that, 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 that doesn't sound like English, it is coming out. The moan, the groan, the intercession. What is Holy Spirit doing through us? Now, you know, someone said, well, you know, he's a brain. I'm going to let him do the praying. No, not, not, he wasn't sent to do your praying for you. He's sent here to help you with your praying. People say, well, I just, I, I had someone tell me one time, I said, well, you don't, you ain't teaching that right. They, they tell me this verse, and they said, they said, he's the one that does it. I said, no, no, I mean, he didn't tell you to go get in your chair and watch the gun smoke while he does your praying for you. That's not, it don't work that way. <laughs> we get to heaven, you can join some instant kind of thing. Right now, you got something to do too. He's going to help us, but what is he going to do? He's interceding and pleading before God and, and, and on, on your behalf according to in harmony with God's will because see, he knows what God's will for your life is. Yes. There's only three who does know. 
God knew Jeremiah's plan before Jeremiah was even Jeremiah. Now how that works, I don't know. How, how could you have a plan for someone before there is a someone? That's deep. <laughs> that ain't just deep, that's deep. Deep. <laughs> right? So the only one who knows the plan for your life and every little facet of it is, is the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. They're the only one. So if I'm off track, guess who knows it? They all do. But who's on earth? And close to that, where is he? So if he knows I'm on course or if I'm off course? Hmm? I mean, like I say, you, you can go to the Burnham Airport and say you want to go to, you want to, go to California, and they know how to get there, but if, if they just get off a tenth of a degree and they fly for six, seven, eight hours to California, or however long that is, they're not going to, if they're trying to go to San Francisco, they ain't going there. You say, well, that's just a tenth of a degree. Yeah, but you just don't go like that right there. <laughs> I mean, I have a motorcycle. I'm not no professional rider, but I, but I do know this. You don't go. I mean, you can do that. But you can also find the asphalt real quick. <clears throat> if you want, you better just lean a little bit. I mean, you ever do this on a motorcycle? It's all over. Just kiss the ground and say, I'm on my way, Jesus. So he's coming to my aid. Now, here's the plan that he has for us. And I don't think it's just for us. It's just we're in this time now. We've hit the time. We've hit the time. And I'm out of time. But Zechariah 10 says this. He says, ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter spring rain who makes lightning, who ushers in the rain and gives men showers and grass to everyone in the field. Now, you'll find references to this in other places, and you'll find it in Joel. you find it in the book of Acts about the former rain and the latter rain. Most theologians believe the former rain was the, was the rain that was poured out in the book of Acts. Well, they had to prophesy, or Peter stood up and explained Joel's prophecy of why these 120 people were speaking in all these languages of the people. And he knew, he knew they, don't have, they don't know the languages. It was a sign and a wonder. And he said, this is where God said, I'll pour, my, I'll pour, my, I'll pour it out. He said, in the, in the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit on, on all flesh. Just, I'm going I'm to pour on them. He said, the, the, the young are going to have visions. The old are going to dream. He said, your, your sons and your daughters, all of them are going to be prophesying. Smith Wordsworth said that every move of God that there ever has been is all going to come in at one big, at one time. He said, God doesn't ever throw anything away. He's like some of us. We just can't get rid of nothing out of the garage or outside. I mean, everything that has to do with harvest, he'll bring every one of those things in. And he'll, he'll do what he did in Smith's day. He'll do what he did in Amy Simple McPherson. He'll go back there, you know, to the Zusa Street and the, and the, and the Welsh Revival and all the, the giftings and the anointings and the graces and the endowments of God. They'll all come in and be on the people because God's going to just sweep this planet up for Jesus. This planet has had over 2,000 years of gospel preached. The word is called the seed. 
But for seed to grow up and become what it's supposed to be, it has to have water, which is rain, which is Holy Ghost. In other words, it's harvest time. He says, so don't get weary right now. You might have seen minimal results. But I'm telling you, you weren't supposed to be picking peaches, Alberta peaches in February. That's when you was trimming the dead out of the trees. But, I mean, that is when you cut the little, you prune the trees in, in February. And then you're spraying them. I mean, you're spending money on trees, and, and they, they look just as dead as a doornail. You're thinking, man, well, I can't believe I borrowed all that money just taking care of this dead orchard. Well, it looks dead now, but it won't look dead in March and April. Isn't that amazing? We get a cold spell around here, and some of our larger farmers who has the resources to do it, and they and they got the blooms on the trees, and here comes a here comes a, a frost that could kill the blooms. The ones who have it, man, they got them big old towers of propane, and they're flying over them with helicopters, and they're building all kind of uh, fires throughout the orchards, you know, trying to keep the, the trees warm enough so they don't hit that freezing mark to take the harvest away. Isn't that amazing? They'll spend all that money, and they ain't a peach on the tree that they can see. They're trying to save what? They're trying to save the harvest. And you look on the tree, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't, like I said, they ain't never peach out there. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He has that much faith that he's trying to protect the bloom. Because what happens after the bloom? But if you lose the bloom, you lose the harvest. And if you get, if you get weary and you get faint and that what you've been doing good, you lose the harvest. So keep your mouth right. Keep your words right. Cast down thoughts and imaginations. Don't use non-productive producing words. That's called vanity speech. Can't you see a helicopter up there hovering over an orchard? Like it's protecting something that's not even there. Remember the Lord told Joseph to get up and get Mary out of here tonight? Get her out of this town. Why? He's protecting the seed. Herod's about to come in here and take some babies. He called Moses to be a deliverer. What did God do? He got him out. He's protecting the seed. There's going to be a harvest. You say, I, 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 I believe that. I, I, just, I, I, just, I just don't know what to do from here. Well, that, that's good. You, who told you you got to know what to do from here? Now, I'm sick of that. I ain't sick either. All right, take them words back. Huh? No, that's, that, that's just part of your faith walk. In the NLT, which is the New Living Translation, when you go over and you read it in Psalms uh, 77, it talks about Israel backed up to the Red Sea. And, and uh, what's his name back there behind him? Pharaoh. And all those guys, and, 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 and they, they don't think he wants to have a tea party. Or he's not come to bring a final apology. He didn't come to give them the hundred dollars when you get out of jail. Well, no, they'd already stripped the Bible said they'd already stripped the Egyptians of all their gold and silver. I mean, four hundred years of slavery, and God brought them out in style. See, uh, have you ever read that part? 
See, they just didn't leave their night slaves. God said, I want 400 years of back wages. See, when, see how God restores? He said, I want 400 years plus interest. He said, now you tell them to go into their masters and say, oh, I want all the jewelry for my wife. All of it. Party dresses, everything. Coming, up without, coming with us out in the desert. <laughs> we don't know what we're going to wear, but we're going to have it. It's, it's, it's in the Bible. The Amplified says they spoiled the Egyptians. They stripped them of, of, of all the wealth. And then here they are out there, and these people are moaning like they always do, and they're complaining, and they want to throw Moses in the Red Sea and all this kind of stuff, and all of a sudden they got a mountain here, they got a mountain there, the Red Sea there, and they hear all this noise behind them. And, of course, now they're like, oh, gosh. And here they go again. Oh, cool. There wasn't enough graves in Egypt. We could just die there. You brought us out here just like You know, just like, gosh. Man, what an assignment. Can you imagine three... Could you imagine 40 years of your assignment with three men pin-sucking pinheads to whine and complain to you every day about how well they had it? And it was, they prayed for all those years to God to deliver them. Then the God says, deliver them, they don't like him. <laughs> then they complain about how he's delivering them. I've seen a lot of people who, who want deliverance from their, from their habits and from their addictions, but they want to be in charge of their own deliverance. You, that ain't possible. Huh? So Psalm 77 said, they didn't know where to go. We want to go forward. We don't know where to go. But Psalm 77 says, in the New Living Translation, said God went ahead of them and he marked a path in the Red Sea that no man could see it. You know, in other words, what a carpenter would have done is he would have went in there and he would have, he would have popped a chalk line. Because he's fixing to cut this. And he's going to get a path to cut with. God went there with his chalk line. I don't know how you keep it in water, but it, but it does. It, it works. <laughs> he can pop a chalk in water and it stay right there. But it says no man can see it. But God wasn't confused. All they knew is they walked up to the Red Sea at some point, and it was the, the really point that they were exactly where they were supposed to be and didn't know what they were going to do. You know, well, how's this going to work out? And it looks like this is the end of the road. It's all over, and if, if all the bills are coming crashing on me, and the Pharaoh's going to kill me, and Jesus is going to take my head off. And all, and, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, God says, right there, right where? Put your stick down right there. And then they all saw the chalk line, and they said, Shazam. Gomer. <laughs> we got this big old problem of life, and we we wondering. Now you do know this is happening. <laughs> Did you hear what they said? You do realize about this time tomorrow. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah, he realized it before he was born. Woo! Don't get weary. It's harvest time. Hallelujah. Well, I'm, I, I'm just so happy I can't hurt stand. I'm probably going to have to go eat some Mexican. What time does that pants close? I feel it. Well, glory to God. Y'all happy? Pray for the rain. Pray for them seeds to come up. See, the, the, the progression is seed, water, increase. As long as the earth remains, there'll be seed, 
There'll be time. There'll be increase, but there's got to be water. I planted some seed the other day, some grass seed, in a place where I had to actually plant some. And, uh, and it said, you know, get the ground and till it and get the rocks out and get it nice and loose and all this kind of, and put all this in there and put a little fertilizer. Make sure you water it. I said, make sure you water it twice a day. You know, cover it up with a little bit of wheat, straw, whatever. But don't forget, don't forget, it's got to be watered at least twice a day. It got watered good yesterday. I got, then got watered about two hours later. The rain coming, and I looked at the shingles off my, off my roof was in the yard. I said, I guess that's enough watering. Like you wish you knew a carpenter. <coughs> Hallelujah. What are we going to pray for? The rain of the Spirit. What happens when you get the rain of the Spirit? Signs and wonders and miracles and breakthrough and demonstrations. Demons are being cast out and screaming and hollering. Glory to God. Deliverance and people set free. People bold. Hmm. Well, as Elmer Fudd would say, that's it, folks. <laughs> Anybody want to say something? Wait, so, wait, so say that one more time. We take the flood of the earth. What we have here. If, if you were living, uh, this is the question I got today, he asked me. He said, if you, if you was living at the dam, he said, what side of the dam would you want to live on? <laughs> it's like, wow, he just asked me that question. Bill, if you was going to live at the dam, not, not as a fisherman, but if you was going to live and have a dwelling, what side of the dam would you want to live on? You want to live on the high side. If something goes wrong, you want to be on the high side. For sure, right? You know, uh, water doesn't come on the other side until someone decides the gates can open. And, the, and on the high side, it ain't waiting for nothing. It's already there. Because it's far above. Oh. I mean, and just as soon as they open the gates, it starts to flood. But if you're living on the high side, or if the dam broke or whatever, or there was a problem, it'd be on the low side. That's why we're seated in heavenly places. We're in high places. I mean, you do realize, and we all realize this, because like if you're in a, in a plane or, or you're on a mountain, a lot of times we stay in the mountains and we, we'll go about as high as we think the car can climb without the motor going backwards, you know, rolling back the other way. You have to swallow a few times, and whatever. And sometimes, you know, we'll get this real mountainous view, and I say, hey, Michelle, come here. I said, look at them little bitty people down there. I said, wasn't that the Dollar General when we started up the mountain? She said, yeah. I said, look, it's, it's so little, ain't it? 
and you see cars traveling on the highway. They look like little bitty ants with, with lights on at night. And, you know, <laughs> and same car, if you stand in front of it and it ran over, it kill you. But from up, up there, you got a totally different perspective. And when, and when we're with him and we keep ourselves seated where we are, we gain his perspective. So we don't fight from down here. We rest from up there. All right. Well, I'm going to give something tonight. Hallelujah. My wife is. Glory to God. If you need an offering envelope, glory to God. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was. That's right. I believe that. And, you know, I, something about this election this year on the national level, if you just look at it from two faces, it doesn't make any sense. And I don't, I can't, well, here's how I'm going to say this. If you just look at it from this or this, you'd say, really? But I'm going to tell you something. God's working his plan. Now, I don't know how he's going to work it. I won't say that or that, but I will say this. Saul was a different man after one encounter. And it doesn't look like there's a way through or to with two choices, but God knows exactly what he's doing. He does. He knows exactly what he's doing. And this nation, this nation will not even resemble the nation that you knew for the last eight years. Amen. It's not because of a set of different rules and regulations. It's about God is going to have a way to come in and he's going to be able to do what he wants to do in so many ways that we'll, we'll stand back and say, now, who, who was the president? And it's not even about the man, that man, or this man. But see, God just needs a little crack in the door. Just people, that they don't have to get their theology all right. They just have a little enough crack in the door just to give an invitation to let him in. This nation, this nation is not through, just like... Uh, I was reposting that thing from uh, Brother Copeland from his uh, Southwest convention. I was resharing it, and he was quoting someone close to him, and I knew who, I'm pretty sure I knew who he was quoting, but he was quoting something about the United States that this man had shared Brother Copeland years ago. He said the Lord had told this man, which is pretty much a historian, 
he said, the, so the historian, the spirit-filled historian was telling uh, Brother Copeland a few years ago, he said, when he was studying years ago, the Lord said, he said, Israel was created in the people because I love Israel. He said, the United States is the only nation that became a nation and was created because people loved me and wanted to worship me. He said, Israel wasn't created because they wanted to worship me. He said, but the United States is the only nation that people sought out a way to worship me and they wanted a nation so they could do it and recognize me as Lord. And he says, and I'll never forget that nation. He said, he said, we're the only nation in the world in existence who ever wanted a nation so that we could come within freedom and worship God. He says, and I will never leave that nation. Hallelujah. Amen. So don't leave yet. Don't go to Poland. And just, just hang around. Hallelujah. Don't be weary. <laughs> it's all going to work out fine, Jed. Hallelujah. Not Jeb. <laughs> all right. Let's receive the offering. Father, we just bless you, give you praise and honor and glory. It is harvest time, and we're not weary well doing. We're full of joy, happiness, and peace, and everything's turning out amazing. Woo! In Jesus' mighty name, amen.